to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Sally Forster-Jones, president of John Arrow International Luxury Properties in Beverly Hills. She has the ninth-ranked team nationally of all brokers in all companies by the Wall Street Journal's Real Trends for total sales volume. With over $4 billion in total sales over the span of her career, she's an expert in the luxury market in both Los Angeles and internationally, with notable sales such as the Spelling Mansion, and the 2014 record-breaking $70 million sale to Minecraft billionaire Marcus Presson. Sally and, her team, Sally and her team are leaders in the industry. Sally's expertise has been featured in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, the Los Angeles Times, Bloomberg, CNN, and Forbes. Known for her creative and global marketing, Sally prides herself on tailoring a plan for each individual client proving her genuine passion for the business. Now, let's welcome Sally to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Sally, first of all, I want to sincerely thank you for taking the time to be on our show today. You're certainly one of our superstars in the industry, and your success as, uh, will certainly motivate a lot of agents. And I'm really looking forward to, as I'm sure all the listeners, knowing exactly how you've been able to do what you've been able to do. But I'm sure what everyone's thinking is what I'm thinking. Let's talk about that $70 million house. Can we talk about that first? <laughs> Sure, sure, of course. <laughs> so that, if I remember correctly, that listing had been uh, that that had been on and off the market for quite a while, right? That that house had been, uh, you know. No. Tell us the story of that's that a, one and, no. and and how that came. Okay. Okay. Actually, that property uh, was a, was a uh, new home, a new development in an area uh, of Beverly Hills called Truesdale that has uh, view properties, and this was an exceptional view property and brand new construction of uh, very contemporary construction. And so the the it was a very exciting, sexy house. And so, uh, as you said, uh, Marcus Pearson, uh, who is the uh, founder of uh, Minecraft had just recently sold his company for several million dollars and uh, wanted to come and, and uh, saw the property and loved it and you know said, look, I have to have it and bought it. So he's originally from, uh, from Sweden and uh, from Stockholm and this was going to be a secondary uh, residence for him. So it was, a, it was a very exciting sale and it was the so, record, uh, it was the highest sale in Beverly Hills ever at $70 million. I- it was one of the highest sales in the country that year, too. So, I mean, it's one of the record sales ever for a residential property. Um, so you're well-known and you're famous, if you will, for selling luxury properties like this one. You're, you know, arguably one of the, I think, certainly in the country, you're one of the best-known agents for selling true high-end properties like that. Did you start your career selling high-end properties? or tell us, tell us your progression to, you know, being able to sell a $70 million house. Well, I, I started my career selling uh, no nothing nothing like a luxury property. It was uh, just uh, regular lower end uh, 
middle class type properties, uh, predominantly at that time in uh, Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. And this was uh, just, uh, uh, you know, I was at that time I had bought a couple of properties for myself and uh, did a minor fix up and said, oh my gosh, uh, sold them a couple of years later, made a whole lot of money and said, this is fantastic, real estate is amazing, and I may as well get my license and sell real estate. And so that's, that's how it all started. But the, uh, my focus was on lower, uh, just a, a lower price point. And uh, then over the years, as I built my clientele, I decided, do you know what, a higher price point, I, I may as well sell higher price points, um, very similar type of work involved, and uh, you know commissions are clearly higher, and and so I just gravitated toward the higher price point. But we we do actually sell all price points. Uh, we have the luxury. We sell a lot of luxury properties, but we also still sell uh, homes, uh, you know, condos throughout the Greater Los Angeles area that are in the more modest price uh, prices. So there are obviously thousands of agents that would love to follow in your footsteps, and they have not been willing to emotionally make the leap that you did, going from selling, you know, certainly normal price homes, you know, respectable, wonderful homes, to selling these really upper end properties. That's a that's a psychological leap that not many very, you know, agents are just nervous about. How did you do it? How did you go from basically saying, you know what, what the heck, it's the same type of work, <laughs> but a heck of a lot more money? Was there anything more involved in the process or the you know, getting into that market than just the thought? It, it came with the thought. That was the, the first thing was making that decision and saying that I would really like to sell more expensive homes and more luxury homes. And then how do you go about doing that? So it is. it started with surrounding myself with uh, seeking out and surrounding myself with people who would be buyers or sellers for those types of properties, or who are influencers, uh, you know, business managers, or CPAs, or attorneys that have influence, or could introduce me to people of that type of uh, caliber that would be buying or selling the more expensive properties. So really, the first thing is just making the plan, and then it's you know implementing that plan and having a real. Uh, you know, a game plan on how, who, what, where, uh, you know, whether it's going to charities, whether it's um, however you're going to do it to surround yourself by the people who would be in the marketplace for those types of properties. So that's, you just basically described the same, as you said, the same process that anyone would take to get into any kind of price range in any kind of market in anywhere USA. So, listeners, I hope you're hearing what she's saying. It's not, you know, uh, there's no, the secret is basically you have to go out there and you have to specifically target it. You heard what she said also. She was going after the business managers, the folks that these folks go to for advice. Those are who the people what she was intentionally networking with. You know, it's the same story no matter what market you're in. Miami, you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with interna- a lot of international types, and down there you're going to be dealing with the same types of business managers and all that sort of thing. So networking is really the real integral part, and I know everyone's so bored of hearing networking. Oh, networking, what does that really mean? Well, let's, let's actually break that down for the sake of really delivering some practical information. So when you say networking, right, so you get a list together of, say, the business managers that are real – that work with the top folks in L.A. and all the rest of it. But how do you go – do you just show up one day or do you call them? Or how do you go about actually bridging the gap from I want to get to know that person to knowing that person? 
Uh, well, it is um, uh, looking at where where are these people going to be, and if you can somehow do it organically is always more helpful. So are there particularly cha- uh, particular charities? Um, are there, uh, you know, country clubs, charities, uh, uh, you know, something in, uh, you know, the Philharmonic, what, whatever it is, looking at where these types of people would be. And so if you can start with that organically, that's a big help because then it's not really the hard sell. You're, you're just meeting them. You're talking to them. And everyone, you know, what do you do? What do you do? And you talk about that. And everyone ta- is interested in real estate. Everyone lives in a home somewhere so they can identify and understand that. And so, you you know, you talk real estate, and so you come up with a good story. You know, I, I did this, or I did this, or I saw a great deal, or whatever. So if you can start organically, that's that's a big help. The next thing is if you're, there's particular people that you are seeking to meet, just who who knows those people? Who could possibly give you an introduction so it, whether it's an architect, whether it's a, you know a, a uh, any type of person that you may know or designer that you may know that may actually have done business with any of these people. So it is um, seeking out the relationships that you currently have that may then have a relationship with uh, any of these individuals and then getting an introduction. So it's, it's, but I if love you, what can you do said. it organically, that that's the easiest. Well, and just so I understand, and I, and I think I do. So, for example, we have a coaching client, and we've had coaching clients that will come to us, and they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to pick up the phone. I, they have all these I don't want to do type lists, you know, as most agents do. But, you know, they might love, you mentioned the Philharmonic. You mentioned, you know, maybe they're involved in a, a pet charity, or maybe they love to play golf, you know. And so depending on their reality, how, it, it, depending on their price range and all that, if someone's doing something that they already love doing, say for example playing golf, even if they did it start if they start basically doing it with the intention of generating business from that, maybe they don't play golf with the same people. Maybe when they play golf, they play golf at scheduled times so they can have different partners. And their goal is every time they play golf to you know essentially make three new contacts. Is that what you mean by organically? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you start with uh, with what uh, what is interesting to you is always important. Uh, but if you, mm-hmm. in addition, if you uh, understand that they're these types of people, what would be interest? And they all have different interests. So there's something somewhere that you'll find something that is that you can capitalize on. But where you can go there and meet them, golf is a great example. If you're playing golf, uh, yes, choose. You know, instead of the comfort zone of the people that you currently know, reach out and 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 put yourself out and meet some new people. Um, and, 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 and each uh, there are networking events, but there are also events and, uh, and charity events virtually every night of the week. So if you can start working toward any of those or working within any of those, and, and then you start meeting people who are of the, um, you know, who are uh, uh, have potentially a higher net worth and who are out looking or to buy or sell more expensive homes, or will introduce so, you. Those are the influencers again that will introduce you to those people. 
Um, the important thing, guys, I hope you're taking away from what she's talking about, is you're not going to get these types of clients, generally speaking, from running ads. They're either going to be a direct contact or they're going to be a second-tier contact from someone that both of you guys know or trust. So let's, let's drill down a little bit more on this, and I want to talk about your team because you've done a great job with that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so do you specifically, like, will you go out and say, I want to target this specific business manager and this because I know this person's a massive influencer. Do you go about like having in your mind these are people I want to have relationships with, or do you do it a little bit more organically, where you'll just basically, uh, you know, contact the same people, hoping that maybe they'll turn you on to other people, or do you have a specific list of people that you're hoping to make contact with? How do you go about doing it? I, I do both. I do both. Uh, I I I do. Um, last night I went to a charity event. I do go and put myself out into different situations where I am meeting people and this one introduces me and that one introduces me. And so you start working, uh, you know, I'm not going to say working the room, but you're, you are, you're, you're talking to whomever you can. Let's be honest, you're working the room. And then if, uh, and then I do know, say, okay, these are, there are certain people that are business managers that I definitely want to meet. And I then make that a point of how am I going to meet them? Who do I know that um, can possibly make an introduction? Or uh, and people are, are you know if you if you have a relationship with them, even if it's not a very strong relationship, and you do it in a nice way, people are happy to make that introduction as long as they feel that uh, you know you're you're a nice, competent, honest person. So, um, so I, I go. I, I do both. I, I, you know, go to places where I'm going to be meeting them, and I do. I have a targeted list sometimes of people that I specifically want to meet and figure out how, who, how, where, when to uh, to uh, make that connection. And so here's a little epiphany for a lot of the listeners that are basically wanting to be like Sally. Um, the folks that are all – so she's, she's got these – and we can talk about the different – in L.A., there's so many different events, so many different networking groups. There's just so many different things. If you're just from anywhere USA, you can go to meetup.com, and let's say there's a meetup group for French Bulldogs, whatever it is that you have passion for. Don't make the excuse that there's not billions of places you can go to network with people because there are. Just tons. There's the old school ones, the BNIs, and the you know. But then there's private ones, and we have folks that are agents, coaching clients that are networking within private networking groups that are just for plastic surgeons. We've got other ones that are. So there's just tons of them out there. You're going to have to go out there and do your own homework and find out what's local to you. But here's the thing, you guys got to remember, listeners, remember this: the folks that are going to those networking things, the folks that are going to the charity things, they're going with the intention of networking as well. So you're not just the person that's in this room, you know, basically, you know, citing people up and trying to basically have these fake friendships and relationships with them. They're wanting to get to know you as well. So these business managers don't think for a second they don't want to talk to Sally because they know Sally has got relationships that they'd like to have. So that's how you guys have to start thinking is being strategic. But it does make the whole conversation, the whole experience go much smoother when you're there doing something that you actually have an interest in. And if you're lucky, you're there doing something you have passion in. So if you can combine all these thoughts, then the conversations to Sal what Sally said, it happens easily because you're having organic conversations. There's already a common ground. There's the charity. There's the this, that, the other thing. And, it's, and I like how she was real honest about it. She said, look, guys, 
it's really the, basically the same function. The biggest difference being is, hey, we get paid uh, just a wee bit more for selling a $70 million house versus a $70,000 house, so things to consider. Well, so um, before we pivot and we talk about um, your team, it would be worth asking, though, since you know we have a lot of the top agents as coaching clients around the country. We've had a lot of them on the radio show. And, and so the thing that's interesting to me is there are unique needs that, say, a, a multi-billion dollar, $70 million home buyer has that, or seller for that matter, that a normal person wouldn't take into consideration. Can you discuss some of those needs, some of those concerns that those fo- types of folks have? Well, um, frequently uh, one of their concerns is privacy and security. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't want to be a target. They don't, if they're the entertainment or well-known uh, individuals, uh, they don't want paparazzi being able to see what they're doing. So uh, a property that needs to be more private for them and a security, uh, their security issues. So that is something that's very important on their list. Uh, also, there are certain things in a property that they uh, that they like. Everyone has, no matter what price point, um, you still, you know, there's what you want, and then and, and there's still not every house is perfect. So even on a, on, on a seventy million dollar house, it may not have every single thing that you want because your expectations are different. But on the on the um, higher price luxury properties, some of the things that they're looking for is something that's really special, unique, different, uh, that makes them you know, come in and say, wow, I have to have this. Many of the, uh, it, particularly if, if it's a second home buyer where uh, this luxury property is not their only residence, they don't have to buy it. This is discretionary. They look at it and say, you know, I want it um, or I don't want it. And, uh, and if they lose interest and don't want it, they're, they're done. They're, we're moving on to, to something else. But some of the things that they frequently want are um, just a, a great living space, a great master suite, closets. Uh, ma- master is very, very important uh, because there's a, a lot of time that's spent in a master bedroom and the uh, master bedroom closets, bathrooms, et cetera, uh, something equivalent to a media room, uh, perhaps a spa, I, uh, uh, everyone wants an office area, whether, uh, you know, and that's pretty much across every price point right now. Everyone has, if it's a desk or, or uh, you know, a real office area, uh, on the upper price points, they also uh, are looking for a gym. Uh, and then something that's a wow factor, you know, a wine room, uh, but not just a wine room, but something that's different. Um, uh, you know, just, just something that when you walk in, it's, it just is uh, amazing, different, and not like every other property. It's not abnormal for you not to necessarily know who the buyer is uh, because you're dealing with the, the business manager who will somehow sift and sort properties on behalf of the buyer, and then you find out who the buyer is basically after the business manager has approved what properties to see. Uh, and I, I know that happens across in all price ranges nowadays. Is how do you so that's something that I know a lot of agents that are breaking into the high end and the high end guys in your marketplace like where Julie and I sold real estate in Columbus Ohio the high end may have been two and a half or three million dollars right or maybe five million dollars depending but in her marketplace five million dollars basically is barely a move up house so the reality of it is is that you have to get really really adept at working with not just the uh, the buyers or the sellers but also their 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 folks. And, and this might be a good time to pivot and talk about your team. So you do have a great team. You have a great support staff uh, around you. Can you talk a little bit about how your team's structured? Because I understand it's, 
it's unique in comparison to, say, for example, maybe a team from the Midwest. Okay. What uh, I have a fantastic team. I have a fantastic team, and the the critical thing that is fantastic about them is that each one of them is an expert in what they do. So uh, what I ha- I have um, so I have it structured where you know I'm the head of the team. I have uh, all my support uh, support staff uh, staff is expert in a particular area. So I have uh, a marketing director. With that marketing director, uh, you know she has uh, you know assistant. Uh, I have someone who's in charge of uh, transaction, who's my transaction coordinator, who handles everything from the contracts uh, to everything having to do with the escrows and inspections and, and all the paperwork. I have someone else who is my listing coordinator who deals with uh, the everything starting from the listing, going through the process. And then I have assistance and help with, with all of that, and then I have agents who work on the team. What I do, what I do is my job is to uh, bring in the business, uh, negotiate, you know, negotiate the sale, interface with the client, uh, and and uh, you know, show the property, negotiate the sale, and make the sale. So that is my my job. Everything else, I have people who are trained and are far better at it than I am to do and support me in those things. So my marketing materials are excellent because I have, you know, I have experts who are really putting together all those materials for me. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, I'm not spending my time in, in inspections. I have my transaction coordinator who heads that up and is far better at, at the implementing the paperwork and getting that, act, that escrow actually closed than I would be at this point. But what I have is is every single one of them is uh, trained, very well trained. They're excellent. Uh, they're the top, top in their field. They're well paid for because I don't ever want them to leave because they make all the difference in my business. And, and then I have uh, agents who work on the team that – Get to use all the support staff. I have seven people in uh, in, in uh, on my staff. I have someone who's also in charge of media, you know, and uh, social media, and and heading up new and creative ideas, and always looking at where, you know, what's what's the next, uh, you know, next horizon. So we're always ahead of the game. But I, we're we're very much on top of all of, all of those things. And then I have my my team of agents who. Uh, who can who are part of the team? Team is very cohesive, but they're all part of the team. They u- uh, utilize uh, are supported by all of the staff and by me. So, what are the things that you won't delegate? Like I heard you, and this is what obviously is true for all high-end agents. There's the expectations of the client is that they're going to work with you. They're going to work with the rock star. They're going to, you know, that's who they want to work with. And I'm just going to say this, a lot of folks out there who are wanting to form teams, please listen to what Sally just said. What I heard her say, and Sally, correct me if I'm wrong, is that she delegates all the non-essential things. I mean, they're important, they're critical, they're really obviously, you know, sensitive, time, all that stuff, good stuff. But when it comes to dealing directly with the sellers or the, you know, I'm sure certain types of buyers, she works with those personally. Did I hear you correct? Yes, uh, yes. So my job, uh, I delegate everything that it is not essential for me to do, but that I can have my team support me in and do a better job so that I can then 
have more business and effectively do the best for uh, for the buyers and the sellers. So when someone but lists I'm, their I'm house into, with you, mm-hmm. yes. When someone lists their house with you, and you're an incredible listing agent, it's arguably probably one of your you know what you're most famous for is listing beautiful properties and getting them sold, obviously. So uh, when somebody lists a property with you, a seller, and how often do they talk with anyone other than you in your, t- in your business? Well, they do speak to other people on the team because I introduce, the, uh, I introduce them to my seller. So my marketing uh, director, I do uh, uh, have her come to the property. Uh, she is the one who is going to be heading up everything having to do from the photography, from uh, you know, videos, from any, any of the marketing materials. So the marketing plan is formed by me, but I have, uh, I have you know, my, my staff is, and my, uh, the rest of my team is, uh, are going to be working on the details. So they, the sellers do meet with them. I prepare the sellers up front that this is, this is exactly what's going to happen. You have me. You're going to talk to me all the time. But in addition, you have uh, you know, the marketing. You have uh, you know, uh, uh, the transaction. You know, that they're, they're going to assist me. You have this someone, you know, when you're going to call the office, you have there's always someone who's going to be listening, you know, picking up that telephone. There's never, you know, doesn't go to voicemail. But you can also always call me on my cell. So there's a, they, the seller or the buyer knows exactly what the game plan is going to be. They always have me. And in addition, they have the rest of, uh, the rest of my team. Well, so, and again, I'm saying this for the sake of the listeners. She said this three times. You always have me. That's the most critical thing you guys got to not ever allow to slip from your conversations with any of your sellers. The mistake, and I understand that in a lot of you guys that are doing production, we have coaching clients that are selling four, five, six hundred houses per year, and but they're selling four, five, six hundred houses per year that are you know moderate price homes. But when you start going to the upper end, if you're not making it so those people can get hold of you, and they won't abuse it, not most, most of them will be more than happy to work with you know, a competent team member, but you've got to make it so they understand that they're not being delegated. Because if they feel like they're being delegated, you're not going to keep that listing, let alone have a stellar reputation like Sally does. So just remember that, guys. It's a balance. The conversations you have when talking about your team is different when you go in the higher-end price ranges because those people expect to do business with the boss, not with the boss's you know, as competent as they might be, right. not, not one of the boss's assistants. And that's important. I mean, that's something, Sally, that a lot of agents, frankly, screw up on. You know, they'll lose listings because yeah. they're bragging about their great team. But the fact is, is they're not realizing the person sitting across the table from them doesn't mm-hmm. want to do business with the team. They, want to, they assume that you have staff. And for you to talk too much about it when you should be focused on, yeah, okay, that makes sense. All right, so I'm, I'm curious. You know, what right. do you wish, looking back on your incredible career, what do you wish you would have done like differently? What would be maybe three things or two things, whatever comes to mind, that we have over 100,000 agents listing? What would be the things that maybe if you had known when you were getting started uh, would have made all the difference in your career or made, you know, a some difference? Uh, uh, the the um, Just really looking at how to uh, do exactly what we're talking about here, how to really have support so that I can do what I'm best at. So it was if I, I, you know, it happened along the way, but um, starting that earlier, as soon as I got busy, uh, can't do everything. You can't be 
you know, you can't be writing an ad, uh, you know, taking photo- you know, photographs, uh, listening to all of your messages, responding to, you know, voicemails, emails, calling, uh, doing all the paperwork, sitting on, you know, at every inspection, doing all those things. So, so if I had, uh, I would have started that earlier uh, and just say, okay, this is, these are the things that I'm best at. But then you have to have your support has to be excellent. Again, you have to be able to know that if you're, because I feel like I can do the best, you know, I'm going to do the best of everything. I'm on top of everything. I really care about my client. I want this to happen. I want, I want the highest, I want all of these things. But, you know, and so therefore, you know, the feeling of like, okay, I have to do everything. But just realizing that, okay, the, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm best at. I am going to make sure that every single one of these things happen, but um, but it leaves it, it it winds up where the the seller uh, gets a a much better result because I'm again focused on dealing with all the things I need to do. So it's that realization starting to let go of. Uh, the non-essential things that I could do, getting an assistant. So as soon as you're, you know, as I was able to, uh, you know, doing that sooner, um, you know, training my people so that I don't have to actually listen to every single, uh, you know, voicemail message, but, you know, trusting that whoever is listening to those for me are, is going to give me the ones that I need to and is, you know, is going to deal with the non-essential or, uh, you know, the, the calls I don't have to make. Um, so just freeing up my time. So that is the, the, the critical thing is, is, is doing that earlier or sooner. And once I made that decision and realized what, what uh, you know, what that would mean to me, that's when it made all the difference in my business. And I also heard you say something earlier, which it probably bears repeating, um, is that realizing that the upper end, at the end of the day, they're just normal buyers and sellers, just with a heck of a lot more money, and you know, more unique and particular needs, and being sensitive to that, and maybe pivoting, uh, and that's something that everyone listening to this call can benefit from. This show is understanding that, hey guys, in every market, there's going to be an upper end market. Why not you? Why not go for it? Yeah, and actually, Sally, that's a great question. You know, and then really one of the most – and you've been in this industry. You've been through – how many recessions have you been through? <laughs> you know? Uh, enough. <laughs> enough. Enough, yes, right? Enough down, enough, exactly. Huh? Right. So you've been and through And I know what that feels recessions. like, too. Yeah, exactly. So, right. so you've been through the crazy ups and downs. You've, you've succeeded consistently in one of the most competitive markets. Just, I mean, everything. And why you? What's What's made it so that – uh, that you've been able to succeed in such a competitive market for so long and so consistently. Um, well, it, it's really uh, it's several things. One is I really uh, strive to be excellent and provide excellent service and really care about my clients. So I put that at the top and I and I think about that and, and that is that's really uh, you know the the key point. So with that. You know, in, in any markets, there's there's ups and downs. There's buyers, there's sellers. There's more expensive, less expensive. But people are people, and they want to be taken care of. They want to know that you really care and that you're going to uh, look out for their best interests. So even if it means not you know not doing a deal, it's never about one deal. It's about you know the 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 total outcome. So that that's the the first thing is is really caring. Um, 
caring about the client and and ha- and having them understand that it's really about them and making them the center center point and that's uh, also important with the with the businessman you want you know the uh, business manager business manager wants to look good they want you to make them look good so you know you have to you have to perform and you have to really strive and be uh, be excellent know your market uh, be well informed be you know and then surround yourself with the best people yeah, you know, I love what you said there. And number one, and really number two, and number three, and number four, and number five, is having a mindset of service, mm-hmm. right? Putting your customers' needs first, thinking about how you can be of service to others. That's really the most important thing because everything, everything else follows that. If you if you lead with that, um, yeah, you're going to have a career like Sally's. Um, and so, Sally, listen, I sincerely appreciate your time uh, today. And if you don't mind, if you don't want to do this, it's fine. But if they wanted to contact you, and remember we have over 100,000 people that are going to listen to this, so it's up to you whether or not you want to give out your personal information. But if they have any referrals they want to send your way, any you know anything like that, how can they do that? Well, I, I can give you my both my office, uh, my direct office line and my email address. And so there you the go. office number is... My direct office line is 310-691-7888. And uh, my email address is Sally, S-A-L-L-Y, at S-F-J, for Sally Forster Jones, sfjgroup.com. So Sally at sfjgroup.com. Sally, listen, I really appreciate you being my co-host and being our superstar for today's radio show. Listeners, here's your action items from today's show. Go back and listen to this show again. Sally said tons and tons of incredibly useful things, especially about how to network, how to basically work on your mindset. You guys got to go back and listen to this. And as always, share this radio show with as many other agents as you, as, you, as you know. Put it on Facebook. Tweet it. Do everything you can to help us get the word out. And for those of you who have not yet done so, do complete the forum if you're on your mobile device that's below this radio show, and someone from my staff will call you back and let you know about Real Estate Coaching Essentials. Remember, guys, the coaching program works in all price ranges in all markets all over the country. And when you it's simply by filling out the form, we're going to give you our three books, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, Real Estate Treasure Map, and your 12-monthly generation plan so just go ahead and fill out that form sally sincere thanks for being on our radio show today and uh thanks for being such a an icon in the real estate industry i think uh honestly i i uh, i love interviewing people like you because one of the consistent elements every time you know we have one of our superstars on the radio and to be honest with you it's very difficult to get superstars on the radio show because they don't like to brag that that's the common element is humility and, and you show that with a, an incredible level of class and poise, and I, I, again, I sincerely appreciate you being such an icon in the real estate industry, and thanks for being my co-host today for today's radio show. Oh, it was, it was absolutely my pleasure. I loved it. Happy to, happy to do <laughs> Thank, that. Thanks, everyone. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow. Thanks, Sally. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.